0: everyone and welcome back to asian cinema fusion i am your host paul martinez we are back uh, after a long hiatus and we're not going to get into why uh the hiatus happened but let's just be happy that we are back and we are back at a great time because it is time for the new york asian film festival this is the 17th year to coming the savage 17 and with good reason uh i've seen uh, quite a few films already at the festival and Savage is a great way to describe a lot of them and uh, we're going to talk about some of them right now We're going to talk about one from opening night which may have been the most savage of all and that was we will not die tonight uh this uh is from the philippines 2018 and uh it's uh directed by Richard Soames or Somes, I believe it's Soames Uh, He directed a film called Affliction, a horror film before this. Also a film called Ishmael. He's known for a TV series he directed uh, called Immortal, which had to do with vampires, which I heard was uh, popular. It's starring Eric Gonzalez as Cray. Now, Eric is a girl. She was born Erica. For some reason, her stage name was Eric. Not sure why. If you're familiar with some Philippine films, she was in a film called Mariposa in the Cage of Nights. She was in a very popular TV series, Maria La del Barrio. She was also in the, uh, I believe, 15th and final installment of the Shake, Rattle, and Roll horror series. And she did a film uh, not too long ago that came out uh, she got a lot of great reviews for, uh, called Siarga. She actually gets great reviews on pretty much everything she does. Co starring Alex Medina, who I think his name in the movie was Alex as well. Um, we'll get into the reason why I don't know that for sure. Uh, in a second, our tagline, as you know if you listen to the show, we always have taglines, uh sometimes they're bad, sometimes they're really bad. And uh the one for this one is there are no rules to survival. So, a young stunt woman gets mixed up with a psychopathic organ smuggling gang who are now hunting her and her ragtag crew. So this was the international premiere of this film. I mean there's not even an IMDB or Wikipedia entry for it yet. So I'm sure most of you listening have not seen this yet, and that's a shame because this really needs to be seen. Uh, director Soames spoke before the screening and talked about his love for Walter Hill's classic The Warriors, and it's pretty easy to see how much of that film inspired this one, with the exception that the violence in that film, The Warriors, it truly pales in comparison to this one. Actually almost any film's violence would pale uh, to this one. Now. This film, by having a lot of different characters running around, like I said, I can't give you names of them and they're, because there's no Wikipedia or IMDb entries if I could get the actors' names. But, as it is, the story really does truly revolve around Cray, and uh, she delivers. Um, not the usual type of role for Eric Gonzalez, but you wouldn't know that watching this. He's tough as nails while still being beautiful and compassionate all at the same time, and kicking major ass. Uh, I can't say much of the rest of the cast. I'm not saying that they're bad actors. They just weren't really given much to do besides basically fight and bleed. And fighting and blood, that's pretty much what this film is all about. And, you know, I know I tend to be a harsher critic than some. But one thing I applaud is a film knowing what it wants to be and is that. And we have that here. This is just mindless violence. um, Very craftily filmed fight scenes. And it's a, it's just brutally visceral. But director Soames is unapologetic in this, which is why I love this film. Um, He knew what he wanted to make here, and he made it. There is a bit of backstory with Cray and her ex-boyfriend, who is the reason why they're in this mess. But while we know this history, we really don't hear so much about it. We aren't given sappy flashbacks of it or these weird uh, conversations in the middle of trying to like, run for your lives about the past. Uh, it was mentioned, we know it, and now let's get back to the action. I really appreciate that. You know, this film, it's not going to win any awards, it's not going to get a criterion release. But if you love films like The Warriors, and films like, another film that comes to mind is Bangkok uh, Knockout, BKO, as it's also known. Another film which uh, this reminded me a lot of. One thing about this film which did make me laugh is about 80% of it takes place in this abandoned factory. And the factory apparently was apparently the size of rhode island because uh, it went on forever but it was just funny to me how they had um this abandoned factory and uh you know they just run in there and these you know mad pack of wolves basically with machetes hunting them and chopping them to pieces running throughout this factory that you could just run in like that's an abandoned factory machinery everything and you could just run in and run around and kill people apparently and i mean I don't, i've never been to the philippines so maybe there are places like this, but it does seem a bit weird to me. Uh but that's not taking anything away from what a uh, fun film this is. It's really just an enjoyable ride, if you know, if you just look at it for what it is, which is just gonna be a lot of violence and action. And that's what this film is. And it's not trying to be anything else. And if you look at it that way, I think you really enjoy this film. I gave this an eight out of ten, which actually surprised myself. And I'm actually looking forward to seeing some of his other films. Uh, one he just released just a couple of weeks ago was Cry No Fear, which I saw a trailer for. It looks like a, a thriller. A very, very good looking trailer. And so that's something I want to see. I also want to check out Affliction. So Director Soames right now is going on my list of directors that I try to keep an eye out for whatever he's doing next. And of course, whenever I watch anything else that he does, I'll be sure to review it for you here. Our next film. Is The Third Murder, 2017, out of Japan. Directed by Hirokazu Koreira, uh, who's uh, directed some films, uh, Nobody Knows, After the Storm, Like Father, Like Son, among many others. Very popular director right now. One of the hotter directors in Japan uh, right now. Starring Masaharu Fukuyama, who plays Tomaki Shigemori, who's an attorney. Uh, he was in Suspect X, uh, the aforementioned Like Father, Like Son. He was also in John Woo's Manhunt, which, embarrassingly enough, I have not seen yet. It's uh, definitely on the top of my to-see pile. And uh, also, he was in the last two installments of *Veroni Kenshin. If you remember, we did review the first installment of that trilogy, but never got around to the other ones. And we are. promise you in the future, we will get those... Uh, other two parts, and uh, Masohala Fukuyama is in those two parts. Also starring the great Koji Yakusho, who plays Mizumi, this guy's a big-time actor in Japan. He's been in Kamikaze Taxi, he was in Shall We Dance, the Japanese version. A great movie, Charisma, 13 Assassins, he was in The Blood of Wolves, which played at the festival, and I did not see, uh, probably my maker's biggest regret, of uh, anything that I missed at the festival. Um, I really want to see The Brother Wolves. Uh, he was also in a film you might remember called Babble, uh, which had a huge international cast. It was starring Brad Pitt and I believe Kate Blanchett, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, part of that uh, film took place in Japan, and uh, Mr. Akusho was uh, in uh, those scenes. Uh, also starring young actress by the name of Suzu Hiroshi, who plays Saki Yamanaka. She was in films uh, probably best known for Our Little Sister and another film called My Teacher. I must admit, not familiar with either one of those titles or Miss Rossi, but uh, a very young actress. But I thought she was very good here and definitely somebody I think of a bright future. And our tagline for this is, what is more important, truth or winning? So a somewhat jaded attorney. Uh, has to defend the man accused of killing his boss. Despite the man's confession, the attorney becomes obsessed with knowing what truly happened. And now, this film was maybe the most anticipated one I had for the festival. It had done great numbers in Japan's box office and it won a ton of awards. Uh, yet it seemed critics seemed to like it, while audiences reviews were kind of varied, and this intrigued me. And in fact the program was at the New York Asian Film Festival weren't contradictory thoughts about the film. So, as I watched this, I wondered would I like it or hate it, and really I wanted to know, why were the reviews so split? So, the quick answer to the first part of that was, I didn't like it or hate it, I actually loved this. Uh, For me, and if you listen to this podcast enough, you're going to notice, I put a lot of emphasis on acting performances in film, and here it was just sublime. Uh, Throughout the cast, everyone brought it. And, you know, for something like that, I always give the credit for that to the director. Usually if I feel it's just one or two great performances and the rest are at par or even below par, I just put it on those actors or just really good actors. But when the entire cast, from the main characters to the secondary characters, are all great, that's the kind of uh, situation where I'm going to look at the director and give credit there for that. Uh, as for as film, it's not really a thriller or even truly a mystery, but it's more of a tale of a horrible crime and just why it was perpetrated. Everyone here seems to have an angle. It really does show the legal system, as it's more about victories than it is about justice. And, you know, we wonder just who is a bad person here at some point, you know? I mean, we think we know, then maybe we don't know, and then maybe we do. But this is not done with, like, these extreme twists and turns, but very subtle ones. Truly a masterfully woven tale. And I also have to point out the hauntingly sad yet beautiful score of this film. And this is something I rarely mention unless it really touches me. And it did here. Really, the, at the end of the film, uh, when the credits were rolling, the song that played, actually, it wasn't a particularly sad ending. But just something about the music made me a little melancholy. And actually got me, you know, maybe a little misty in an eye. Uh, <laughs> Of course, uh, as you know, if you listen to the show, I I do tend to uh, get a little caught up in some of these films and will get emotional. But this wasn't the type of ending to a film that would ordinarily have that effect on me. And I really think it was the music. It's just beautiful. Also, there were a few scenes here that I guess are left up for interpretation, which is not all that uncommon in Japanese cinema. Uh, you'll see in the Korean cinema too, where you'll get these surreal scenes kind of tossed in um, as dream sequences or what have you, and it's kind of left for you to figure what they all mean. And for some who are not familiar with that, that may be confusing or maybe even annoying, but for me here, I found this very enlightening and very well placed to where it was in the film, which really helped to continue the narrative of this tale. So, Now, to the second part of the question we had earlier was, why did some people not like this? And I think I know the reason. This film is slow, um, at times very, very slow. Uh, I don't mind that personally if a story is compelling, and for me, at least it was. I don't need to be bombarded by new information every few minutes to keep me engaged. Uh, Also, I have to say, good chance it was just watching these amazing actors on screen that kept me attentive, even in the admittedly down times of the film. So, in the end, of course, I'm going to recommend this film, but if you are looking for a thrill-ride or a fast-paced story, this may not be your cup of tea, but for me, I give The Third Murder a 9 out of 10, which is one of the highest scores I've ever given on this show, but I think it's well deserved. This, um, to me, I think deserves all the accolades you got. Fantastic film. I don't know if it's for everyone, but if it's Kind of film that you can think you can li- uh, watch, definitely watch it, and I think it was really really great. Our next film, *The Hungry Lion, 2017, out of Japan, written and directed by takaomi Ogata, who has done films *Body Temple*, did another film called *Sunk into the Womb*, which I'm not really familiar with, starring Yurara Masubayashi, who plays Hitomi. Um, although the fact that she looks very familiar to me. In this film, I swear, as an actress, I must have seen a hundred times. The only thing I could find her being famous for was a film a few years ago called One Plus One Equals Eleven. Also, co starring, although co starring might be a bit strong, this is really uh, all about you, uh, Mr. Yurada. But uh, Otomo Mizuishi, who plays Hiroki, who is Hitomi's boyfriend, and you might recognize him if you saw the film Full Metal Alchemist, he was in there. Our tagline for this is When Fake News Becomes All Too Real. A teenage girl's teacher is arrested for having sex with a minor. And of course, the teenage girl is Hitomi. And a video surfaces where the girl in question in the video does somewhat resemble Hitomi. Now, between her friends, boyfriend, family, social media, all question if it's truly her. Despite her you know, vehemently saying it's not her, uh, Hitomi's life begins to spiral towards disaster. And there's a bit of a longer synopsis than usual, but this story has so many layers to it. This was really one of the most thought-provoking and infuriating films I have seen at the festival, at any festival, um, at any time. Not that infuriating as a film, per se, but at the stark look it takes of what today's society has become. Uh, the problem, really, is that this is just all too real. I mean, these things are happening today, not just in Japan, but all over the world. But, you know, let's take a break from my outrage of the subject matter and examine this as a film, because that's what we're here for. And here is anything but infuriating. Uh, this is a film where director Ogata wanted to say something, and he did. And for that, I must commend him. The story is a bit much, though, at times, and you wonder how much of this was him trying to entertain us or scold us as a society. And I, I really thought that um, the actress who plays it told me, Yorada is excellent. And her portrayal as a normal teenage girl who has friends loved ones dreams of the future but in life when we are young decisions are made that while are not made of any malice or really any abhorrent behavior come back to us looking much different through the eyes of others and i guess it's gonna just say when we are young that that can happen to us when we're older um as just many times you know we make decisions and do things and We don't think about, even if we weren't doing anything bad, how it might look to someone else. And that's a lot about what this film has to do with. Uh, The rest of the cast here is okay, but they aren't really given much to work with. This is really about, as I said earlier, one central character in Hitomi, and how others viewed her actions or believed actions. I also found the use of the media throughout this story, to also while being a bit frustrating, also lends itself greatly to the overall narrative. Uh, we hear so much today about fake news, right? I mean, the president's always yelling about fake news. And, you know, it's almost like fake news is the catchphrase of 2018, right? But I'm starting to think maybe it's not so much fake as it is interpreted news, which maybe is almost worse, right? As far as back to the film, there's not much in the way of action or laughter, really. Uh, this is really a very sordid, that somber tale which takes place in front of us, and you can't help. We want to run into the screen and, and try to do something, try to help Hitomi here. One place where the film, I don't want to use the word fail, but where one place where the film, I guess, maybe I would like to see it a little differently, was in giving us a little more into the mind of Hitomi. I mean, we sh- we see who she is and what these circumstances are doing to her and her relationships, But I I felt I wanted to have a little more of a look at her from the inside. And if we did, to be honest, I may have openly wept by the end of this film. Because this was very tragic. But when I think about it, this may have been done by design. As if to say, we know people. You know, our friends, our classmates, our co-workers, our family members. But do we really know them? Again, this film gave me a lot to think about on my long drive home that night. uh, from Lincoln Center. Uh, So, while this is not a masterpiece, it is something that I think people should see. This is a powerful film and an important film. Will it change the way things are? No. I would love to say it would, but if at least someone can view this and maybe see the world a little differently. um, See the world not through that judgmental eye of social media. Maybe then the message got to somebody. And that's how change begins. You know, one mind at a time. So for me, I had a big struggle on how to uh, score this film, and I went everywhere from a 5 to an 8. I set it on 6.5 out of 10. Again, while I don't think it's a great movie, and I think it's a bit of a downer, depressing at times, I do think that it's an important film, and for that I'm giving it a 6.5. Our next film, and as you know, we usually have a format here to the show, but uh we kinda throw that format out the window when we're reviewing films at the New York Asian Film Festival. But if we were in usual format this would be the spot that we play our old school selection. And uh, while this is not the oldest film to play at the festival. It's one of the older films to play at the festival and so we're gonna slide it into this spot. And it is Beast Stalker, two thousand eight out of Hong Kong, so it's ten years old. Um not what I would call old school, but I mean it is ten years old. Directed by Dante Lam, who uh Directed films such as Operation Mekong, Operation Red Sea, which is taking China box office by storm right now, Beast Cops, which is no relation to Beast Stalker, and Twins Effect, one of my favorite Dante Land films. Starring Nicholas Che, who plays Sergeant Tong Fai. You might know him from Bodyguards and Assassins. He was in the film The Stool Pigeon, Time and Tide. He was in Storm Warriors. Uh, If you've seen that, you'll probably recognize him from there. Also starring Nick Chung who plays Hung King. Uh, he was in uh, Johnny Toe Films Exiled and The Election 1 and 2. He was also raped by an angel. Interesting enough Nick Chung uh, started his career uh, doing comedy uh, and then transitioned over to drama which I think was a great move for him because uh, to me he's much better uh, doing uh, drama and serious roles than he was doing comedic. Music. And also starring Zhang Jingchu who plays Prosecutor An Gao. Uh, She's been in such films as Seven Swords, Overheard, City Under Seas. She's also in a couple of American films, such as Rush Hour 3. She was in Mission Impossible, Rogue Nation. And she's the kind of actress I think that if you see her, you're going to recognize her, but maybe not recognize the name. At least that was the case for me. When I saw the name Zhang Jinchu being listed in the credits, I did not recognize that at all. But once I saw her in the film, I definitely recognized her by face. Uh, And the tagline for this is, The Hunt for Redemption. So what's this about? Well, after a tragedy decimates the lives of both a prosecutor and a cop, they must come together to find the prosecutor's child who's being held captive. So I heard different things about this film as well. Um, Some liked it, others not so much. I was excited that Dante Lamb, the director, was going to be in attendance for this so that maybe he could give some insight on his thoughts of the film. And what I heard was, this was a bit of a different direction from his usual forte, while trying to keep some of his more trademark style still involved. And for me, at least, that made this maybe a bit uneven. But let's focus on the good. Firstly, and undoubtedly, this film is carried by the performances of the two leads. Possibly the best Nick Chung performance of his career. And Nicholas Che uh, is an actor who I love or hate, depending on the last thing I saw him in. So right now I love him because he was excellent here as the hard-nosed cop who must deal with the aftermath of the tragic shooting while trying to save a young girl being held by a gang in order to force her mother, the prosecutor, to throw a case against the gang's imprisoned leader. Now Nick Chung plays a killer for hire with a very complicated story who must do the unthinkable in the event that the prosecutor doesn't go along with demands. And he must do this um in order to care for his bedridden wife. Uh, there are so many layers to these characters. And I feel if Director Lamb would have gone one hundred percent in that direction, this would have been so much better. Uh but he seemed to almost force some action sequences that weren't needed. Also I had a few issues with character motives and actions throughout the film. Just one in particular that sticks in my craw was uh, there's a point where Nicholas Che, Officer Tong, Sergeant Tong, uh, has figured out what building the young girl being held captive in. And instead of going to search for her to rescue her, he calls her mother to drive there to the building and wait for her to get there before beginning his search. And this just drove me crazy. I'm like, well, why are you waiting to get there? If you feel that she's in this building, find her. She's in danger. You could call mother after she's saved. So I, this is just something that was screaming at me in the head during this film. In the end, I will say the good definitely outweighs the bad here, but that was some of the bad. We also get some revelations at the end of this movie that could be construed as either genius or quite contrived. And I'm going to fall directly in the line straddling between the two, but for the sake of being a happier and kinder reviewer, I'll slightly fall on the side of genius, though I spoke to many who felt it was quite contrived. Uh, Overall, this film has much more substance than the usual Dante Lam vehicle. Dante Lam, I guess, maybe you could kind of consider him the Michael Bay of China. You know, uh, his films have a lot of action, a lot of explosions, gunfights, what have you. And usually does not delve too much into character development, and that is not the case here. I would like to see even more character development because I thought he did a good job with what he did here. And so I would love to see Dante Nam make a film more like this, but even less action and more character development. Uh, I, w- I would really be interested to see how that would work out, because I saw so promise here of him making films like this. Um, overall, fun summer blockbuster-type films that he makes like Operation Red Sea and Macong, some reviewers like. but. Audiences seem to enjoy more, and I think that's probably be the case here. I think it's something that just an everyday audience member who just likes a lot of fun and escapism will enjoy this film, and probably the harsher critics maybe would be a little rough on That's just my opinion, but I give it a 6 out of 10. And, I mean, it's definitely uh, worth watching, um, for me, more than a few of his other films that I've seen. And our final film for the show, Gitao 2. Rise of the King. This is out of Taiwan in 2016. Directed by Chen Ko-yen, who this is his actually the debut as a director. And Interesting enough, he was the star of the first guitar. Now, I will say this in case you're wondering, this film has nothing to do with the first film. It is a sequel in name only. And they're not the same characters, not the same storyline. Totally different. You do not need to see guitar. In order to see Gitao 2, although I am interested in seeing the first one, just because uh, this was quite enjoyable. Uh, it's starring Wang Xi Sen, also known as Jason Wang, uh, who plays Ren. He's been in films such as Second Chance, a film manga, which I've been trying to find, I'd like to see. Co starring the great Colin Chow, playing a bit of a different role than you might be familiar with him in, but he's getting a little older. Uh, he plays Jian. Uh, you might know Colin from Bodyguard from Beijing. Uh, he was in the Matrix movies. He was in the Marco Polo Netflix series, which if you hadn't seen, it's quite enjoyable. Just two seasons. I really enjoyed that series. Uh, he was also in the Ford trilogy. Um, I think he was in all three. No, he's, in the, first. he's in the first. I think he's in all three, um, but I'm not positive. about uh, the second. Jack Gao, who plays like the underworld president, Guy. The kind of guy you've seen in a million films before. He's probably best known for his Jupiter Incident. Full Alert, which we on here. He's to to the Sniper. He's got that face when you see him. You're going to be like, Oh, I've seen this guy in a million Chinese films. And would it be that? Well, you'd be a little off. It's probably been in about 80 films. But it feels like he's been in a million films. He's a very great character actor. And usually gets cast in a lot of movies. Uh Our tagline for this is, Never Let Friendship get in the way of power. So, this is a quintessential tale, green of Power Among the Underworld, and how both morals and friendships can endure or be cast away within it. Um, I had heard before seeing this, similarities of this to the election films and some Yakuza films, and I guess I can see this to a certain extent, but to me, what this film most harkened to was the Young and Dangerous series. I even saw a little of The Godfather here. There has been, for years, a number of people who condemn films like these for, quote-unquote, glamorizing the life of crime. Uh, I'm not sure if it does that or not, but what Gotow too does is show the complexities of choosing such a life. And in that, it does remind us of election a bit. In the end, you have to wonder, how do these young men who care for their friends, their loved ones, their wives, their children, with so much you know, fervor, uh, be involved in a life of crime. The paradox is quite compelling, which is why I believe films like these will always be popular. I just think people like to see that these notorious characters are not that much different from all of us. Now, for this particular film, it focuses a little more on the violence and how the the aftermath affects these all two human characters. People die, uh, we grieve, Then we go for revenge, and the cycle continues. And as simple as it made that sound, the director is able to show us a small glimpse into the hearts of these men. One very interesting character here was Colin Chow, who is great as the antagonist, who wants his old friend Ren, who refers to his brother, to join him in his quest for power. But for Ren, even a gangster can have limits on what he'll do. And this internal struggle is more captivating to me than the outward one. And I would have liked the focus of it to have been a little more on that. And not that it wasn't delved into, because it was. I really feel I wanted more of that. And I want to see a film that's really more to the mindset of someone in this world. Uh, The action scenes are really just a bunch of wild gang fights that were shot a bit better than you usually see. Uh, some very memorable characters are highlighted in this as well, which really lends to the film's charm. One in particular, Sicko Boy, a bleached blonde, uh, full of kinetic energy that you can't take your eyes off uh, whenever he's on the screen. And as his name would, uh, would make you believe, he is psychotic. But although psychotic and complete lunatic, he really uh, an amazing character. In this we do get some twists and turns here, but nothing I would call a shock. Um, some of the stuff was kind of easy to see where it was going. Others, maybe not as easy, but nothing that you, like, totally, un you know, unprepared for. There is a scene, though, midway, that was so out of place that I just have to bring it up. It's a very melodramatic reading of a suicide now, with some very sappy music and over-melancholy images. And while... This event is a major part of the story. The way it's presented, it just felt like someone changed the channel when I reached out for my popcorn, you know? It's like, oh, yeah, let me get some popcorn. And I look back up and went, hey, what happened to Katow too? What, what, what's this? I mean, it was really that much removed from the overall feel, pacing, everything of the film up to that point and after that. And it's uh, just very weirdly placed. But it wasn't enough to ruin my overall enjoyment of this film. And enjoy it. I really did. I give the towel two seven and a half out of ten. It's really one of the better, you know, gangster films I've seen in quite a while, and definitely it's something I think that um, uh, you fans would really enjoy. Um, not your typical gangster film. And that's our show. Hopefully, this wasn't a typical podcast. Um, so the festival is over. Um, I waited till the festival was over before I started. Uh, reviewing the films on the show just because uh, I was there almost every day and it was just getting home very late and I didn't want to record these shows tired and listless. And I wanted to try to have a little bit of energy for you when I view this stuff. But though I saw, I believe it's about, yeah, it's close to 30 films. So, you know, we're going to be uh, having quite a few podcasts coming to you and, uh, you know, I would say probably two a week. Is what I'm my goal is for a while here, and so you know, keep keep a lookout for them on my social media pages on uh, our Facebook page, on our Twitter page AZN Cinema Fusion on Twitter, you can look for that there, or just Asian Cinema Fusion on Facebook. Look for us there, and um, I'll try to keep updates on there for when the next podcast is going to be uh, released. But again, at this point, try to look for two a week that is what I'm trying to be doing. And as always, I want to thank you guys for listening, and bye-bye.